Welcome in, everyone. Happy to be with you. It is Big 12 Bets, a part of the Heartland College Sports Network. We are very happy to be with you yet again. I'm Jeff Parles, back for more here in week two. And just so we remember, guys, remember to, when you find this great podcast, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, all of our podcasts in the Heartland College Sports family of podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, coming to the website as well. I wrote up all the plays this week, the best of week two, my favorites in the Big 12 and beyond. I'm very excited to be with you all, though. This is an awesome week two for college football and the Big 12, especially with some juicy, juicy, juicy week two matchups. And let's just dive right in. Let's start in Lawrence, Kansas on Friday night, 6.30 local time at Memorial Stadium. The Kansas Jayhawks looking to go to 2-0 on the regular season, welcoming in the Fighting Illini of Illinois. A really intriguing non-conference matchup here between two teams that I both really like going into the year. And Illinois is the second best team in the Big Ten West, only Wisconsin better than Brett Bielema's squad. And for Kansas, look, if you read the article, you listened last week, you know how much I like Kansas. Have Kansas over their six wins, have even a little bit of Kansas to win the entire Big 12, which I guess is crazy. But hey, when you got the offensive talent the Jayhawks have, crazier things have happened. Let's just say that. Last week, it took Kansas a while to get going. They got it done, a win, a blowout one in the end, 48-17. They really struggled early on against Missouri State. Jalen Daniels did not play. It was Jason Bean who got the start and played the whole way. Kansas dominated the second half, 31-7 to over the Missouri State Bears in that second half, getting to a 31-point win. Illinois had a fight on their hands last week against the Toledo team that I think is going to win the MAC. Toledo went into Champaign and really played Illinois tough. 30-28, to Illinois needing a last-second field goal by Caleb Griffin in order to win that game. And the line kind of dictates a market that doesn't buy the Illini going into this week. Kansas at DraftKings and in most shops, three-and-a-half-point favorites, a very high total of 57-and-a-half. A little bit surprised that total is as high as it is, even though Illinois' defense struggled a week ago against Daquan Finn and the Rockets. I do like this Illini defense. And I'm a little bit surprised this total is as high as it is. Now, look, for Kansas, the expectation is that Jalen Daniels, according to reports out there, multiple reports across multiple networks, that Daniels is going to play after not playing last week, which obviously changes the way you look at Kansas's offense. I, I like Bean. He's a nice backup. But Jalen Daniels, preseason Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. And again, I think a legitimate Heisman candidate if Kansas is as good as I think they can be this year. So right now, I have no bets on this game. Three and a half feels right with the Jayhawks being a home favorite. Illinois is a pretty good football team. If you wanted to bet the side, I would only look to bet Illinois taking the three and a half points. And I do like the under as well. I would not be shocked if this game is played at Illinois' pace. If it's played at Kansas' pace, this game goes over and Kansas covers with relative ease. But in the end, I think the Jayhawks win a field goal game at home. Three and a half is about right. No plays for me in Lawrence. 
as uh, again, just in the end here, it's tough for me to make a play on this when this number is exactly where I think it should be right now for this week two game in Lawrence, kicking it off on Friday night. Really, really excited to see that one get rolling there in Lawrence. All right, now we get into what is, again, an amazing Sunday in the big, or excuse me, I should say an amazing Saturday. See, I'm, I'm all jazzed up for the NFL. Sometimes I can't even get the days right. A, an amazing Saturday in college football. And, and let's start in Waco, which is home to one of my best bets that I wrote up in the article this week at heartlandcollegesports.com. Baylor's a seven and a half point underdog at home against Utah. We know what happened to the Bears last week. An embarrassing home loss at the hands of Texas State. Texas State 42-31 winning in Waco. Uh, Blake Shapin gets hurt in that game, a knee injury, so he's going to be out, which is going to lead to Sawyer Robertson, who was pretty unimpressive when we saw him out there for Baylor last week against Texas State, is going to be your lead quarterback. Right now at DraftKings, Utah 7.5-point favorite, 47 a total. Utah last week beat Florida. Uh, Bryson Barnes is going to start again. Uh, as they await the return of Cameron Rising, still not ready to go after the significant injury he suffered in the Rose Bowl a year ago. Uh, last week for Utah, I thought it had more to do with Florida just not being a particularly good football team than Utah being overly impressive. I really did not did not see an impressive football team. I saw a good football team, a well-coached and tough football team, like you always will expect that of Kyle Whittingham. But I really expect, I was stunned at what I saw out of Baylor last week. The lack of physicality on defense, going through the motions, true look-ahead spot for week one against the, an, in, an in-state team that was motivated to beat you. And Finley, a former Power 5 quarterback, looked great. Kinney's not going to be in San Marcos for much longer. Let's be real with ourselves. He's going to get a big-time job pretty quickly. But Dave Aranda's a defensive guy. And you got to imagine there's going to be some pride from that defense that gave up 42 points last week to a non-Power 5 school. And this totals 47, which feels right, that this is going to be a more of a grinded-out football game. And grinded-out football games, when you're getting more than a touchdown, and yes, I know it's the backup quarterback in Robertson, and that is a big drop from Shapen to Robertson, but... I, I expect Baylor's defense to play well this week. And I'm even with the drop from QB1 to QB2, just the factor of how embarrassing it was for Baylor a week ago, I expect Baylor to stay in this game. Now, I'm not certain that Baylor is going to win the game, but I already took seven and a half. That's actually my favorite play of the weekend in the Big 12, is taking a seven and a half with the Baylor Bears. I expect that defense to play well enough to keep this game within the touchdown, even if Robertson struggles on the offensive side. So we're taking seven and a half with Baylor. All right, let's go to Manhattan next. Kansas State, they're welcoming in a team that... I'm a little surprised this line is where it is, even though I didn't get to it on a play. They welcome in Troy. K-State, of course, last week, a 45 nothing shellacking of... Simo, not much of a shock there. Kind of aggravated with myself that I didn't lay the points with the Wildcats when the line came out on Saturday. Troy played a high-scoring affair, 
48-30 win over Stephen F. Austin last week. Troy's one of the favorites in the Sun Belt. I think they're more than capable of winning that Sun Belt Western division. But this is, look, the line for this one, Kansas State is a 17-point favorite, 51.5 is your total. I don't have any bets on this game. This is just one of those games where if you're Kansas State with Missouri on deck next week, a team that Kansas State really handled in Manhattan a year ago, just handle your business against the team that you're better than. Now, look, Troy is not a pushover. A good offense for the Trojans. A team that, again, I think it's them and South Alabama are the class of the belt this year. South Alabama went to Tulane and lost and didn't cover last week. So you always have to be wary of those higher-end non-Power 5 teams that get a shot at the big boys. But when push comes to shove here, Kleiman is too good of a coach to allow his Wildcats to sleepwalk through a game against the team that, look, let's face it, is a really good Sunbelt team. I nearly did take 17 with Troy. That is a lot of points. But I ended up passing on this game. Kansas State winning this game 34-17 makes a whole lot of sense, which would mean the game pushes and the total goes under by a half. I think these numbers are pretty darn good at K-State laying 17 and then 51 and a half on the total. So we're going to stay out of that Kansas State and Troy game. That's a noon Eastern kick in Manhattan on Saturday. All right, let's go to the Cyhawk. Iowa, Iowa State in Ames. Both teams winning a week ago. Iowa, thoroughly unimpressive. They did score 24 points. Congratulations, Hawkeyes. But a 24-10 win over Utah State. Really not impressive whatsoever in that win for the Hawkeyes. I should say 24-14, they won by 10. Sorry, quick correction there. Iowa State last week against, uh, let's face it, a a Northern Iowa team that, in all honesty, I thought was actually going to be able to keep that game close, depending on who was even going to play for the clones with all the questions uh, surrounding them with, of course, the... uh, the gambling scandal going on. Rocco Beck actually looked pretty good. I was impressed with what I saw from him. So now it's a whole different test, though. You play at Iowa. Game in Ames. Iowa State's a four-point dog. 36.5 is the total. One of the lowest totals on the board this year. Going to be one of the... Probably the lowest... It will be the lowest total we see in a Big 12 game this year. It will not be the lowest total we see in an Iowa game this year. I can, I can guarantee you that. So... I would only, as ridiculously low as that total is, I would only bet under in this game. This was a, a very close to being a play here. So this opened 37 and a half at the world openers at Circa in Las Vegas. I would have played the 37 and a hook under. 36 and a half is still probably good, but that does eliminate a few common scores that I would like to have in my back pocket. More likely than not, I want to have 24-13 in my back pocket here. So that's part of the reason that I don't want to play it. But that would be the only way I'd go here, under 36.5, which would then lead to a play on the Cyclones as well, getting four points in a game that's 36.5. But this game being like 10-3, 13-7, 13-10, very much in play for this one. The Look, Iowa's defense is off, awesome, awesome. Their offense still stinks. And for Iowa State, again, as good, as much as I liked what I saw from Beck last week, 
I, I'm a little bit concerned of what we will see at the quarterback position, especially if Deckers is unable to go. So we're going to we're gonna stay off of this game in the end here. Iowa and Iowa State, there is a lean. There is a lean to the under, but that would be the only way I would look to play this regardless, uh, just because, again, Iowa just sucks the life out of you. And unless of Iowa's defense is scoring some touchdowns, I'm, I'm not seeing this game get into the high 30s. So we'll look at the under 36 and a half on Iowa, Iowa State. By the way, we are only doing FBS versus FBS teams on this podcast. So sorry, BYU fans, even though that was thoroughly unimpressive last week against Sam Houston. And then sorry, West Virginia fans and TCU fans. I think TCU fans will be pretty happy. I'm not mentioning them after what they did last week. And then West Virginia getting Duquesne. We won't mention that game as well. No lines on that until Saturday morning in those FBS-FCS matchups. All right, let's go to SMU and Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma still scoring on Arkansas State a week later. 73-0, really just a total talent mismatch. And I'm really actually kind of aggravated with myself that I didn't uh, just lay the points with Oklahoma like we talked about potentially doing last week. But... That was as vicious of an FBS, FBS mismatch as you're ever going to see. So Oklahoma's down to a 16-point favorite against SMU. Uh, last week in the other bets, in the extra bets, I took 20 with Louisiana Tech, and I really felt like I should have got there, even though SMU covered in the end. SMU was really not overly impressive in that game against La Tech. It really had more to do with Louisiana Tech, a pick six, a ridiculous touchdown at the end of the half that SMU scored when they were trying to run the clock out and then shot off a 60-yard run leading to a shorter touchdown later that drive. 16 and 68 and a half is your total. I, I would only lean to the under, actually. I, I, even though, I, yes, I know Oklahoma scored 73 points last week. SMU had a big offensive output as well. But I would imagine that Oklahoma's defense is going to try to prove that, hey, that wasn't just that Arkansas State is an awful football team. We're going to slow down an offense that is a little bit respected here in SMU. 16, and again, SMU has been bad in this game. This line, SMU has taken money from 19 and a half to 16. So I would I would be careful of taking points now with SMU on a worse number. Uh, really nothing here that really intrigues me. This is a 6 o'clock Eastern game, by the way. I, I can't do anything on Oklahoma and SMU. Uh, again, 16-point favorites, the Sooner, Sooners are at home in this one, 68.5 the total there in Norman. All right, let's go to Pitt next. A geographical battle, ACC versus Big 12 Cincinnati against the Pitt Panthers. The Bearcats, seven-point fa- seven underdogs, I should say, on the road. 45 is the total. Bearcats and Scott Satterfield's debut, a just a drubbing of Eastern Kentucky, 66-13. Emory Jones, big game last week. Uh, you know, can't really take much of anything from that. Uh, <laughs> a drubbing of an FCS team. Pitt did the same thing to Wofford, 45-7. So, I have no play on this. I would lean to lane the seven with Pitt. Again, I am low on this Cincinnati team. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of Satterfield, as I made pretty clear earlier in the year. But I don't have a good feel for what this Pitt team is going to be. I really don't. Phil Jerkovich comes over from Boston College. Now the quarterback there. I think he is an upgrade to Keaton Slovis, who we saw, we now see at BYU in the Big 12. But 
when you have two teams just destroying overmatched FCS teams, like Pitt and Cincinnati did a week ago, you can't really glean anything from any of the at that type of game. You just can't. So that's the big reason that I don't have anything on this game. Where if you made me play it, I probably would lay the seven with Pitt. I want to see how Emory Jones looks against a real defense, though. Because he had his problems in his previous stops in college against real defenses. I want to see what he looks against Pitt, which I think is a top four defense in the ACC this year. All right, we'll, we'll save Alabama-Texas for a little bit later. Let's go to my second favorite bet of the weekend, and that's Texas Tech against Oregon. Now, I still like it at the current numbers. This has been bet down. I got it at six and a half on Wednesday. Now, as we sit here, as I'm recording this, Texas Tech's a six-point dog against Oregon. 69 is the total. That was embarrassing after getting up 17-0 from the Red Raiders a week ago. That cannot happen. I know Wyoming's well-coached. They have a good defense. You cannot do what they what Texas Tech did a week ago. You just can't. That's a game when you're up 17-0 against a mediocre offense. You win that game, you win that game going away. And I was on Wyoming last week. That was my biggest bet of the week last week, taking the 14 with the, with the Pokes. And Texas Tech, after getting out 17-0, just stopped offensively. There was no adjustments. It was very disappointing. Again, I loved Joey McGuire a year ago. But that was a very inauspicious start coaching-wise in that game. And to go out and lose that game outright after being 17 points up, really an embarrassing loss for Texas Tech the way that it happened. And now you get Oregon coming in. Oregon scored 81 last week on Portland State. I take nothing from that because it's Portland State. It's an overmatched FCS. The, one thing I, the only thing I'll take from that game from Oregon is that Bo Nix, once he's gotten out of the SEC, is a really good college football quarterback. And this could be a game where Oregon's offense overwhelms Texas Tech's defense. That could happen. But this is one of those where a lot of sharp betters are on Texas Tech this week as well. A team that is coming off an embarrassing loss, now getting undervalued in the market because of it, and a great, um, the best possible bounce-back opportunity you could have drawn up for the Red Raiders in this one. I expect Texas Tech to move the ball on Oregon's defense, and I expect Texas Tech's defense to be a little bit better than they were a week ago, especially after the first quarter. The first quarter where they were actually good, the rest of the game they were not in Wyoming. I would not be surprised if Texas Tech wins this game outright. I would not. I Six is still good on Texas Tech. 7 o'clock Eastern, by the way, on this one on Fox for this. But I'll take the six. I'll sprinkle on the money line as well. So you can get better than 2-1 to one out there at DraftKings and elsewhere. I would look to that on the Red Raiders against Oregon giving Texas Tech six and a real shot to win the game outright. Let's do Houston and Rice next, 7 o'clock Eastern for this one. Uh, I was thoroughly unimpressed with what I saw from Houston a week ago, offensively speaking. Defensively, yeah, they, they made Frank Harris make mistakes, and that's the reason Houston won that game last week. And I again, I thought UTSA was the better team. After watching that game, I still think UTSA was the better team, but Houston's defense on that day was enough to slow it down. Now, this is, again... An intra-Houston battle, they just go to play Rice here. The Owls got beat up by Texas, especially in the second half a week ago. Rice is a nine-and-a-half point dog now at DraftKings, 52-and-a-half. I don't have much here. If this gets back to 10, I would bet Rice. 
but I would only bet it small. I'm not buying this Houston team. I don't think this Cougar team is particularly any good, even with that win. A nice win at that a week ago against the UTSA team that I still think is very much alive to be a player in the American Athletic Conference. Going to Boise next, 7 o'clock Eastern for this one. Boise State and Central Florida. Very impressive from the Golden, from, excuse me, from the Knights. Well, I, I can't say Golden Knights anymore. No, no, just the Knights. They're Central Florida in week one, just thumping away with their week one win against Kent State. Boise was in the game for a half against Washington, and then the wheels completely came off, and the Broncos got annihilated in the second half by the, by the Huskies. So this was nearly a play on Boise State for the same reason as the Texas Tech and Baylor plays, where you're getting teams that are overvalued coming in against teams that are undervalued. But I just can't quite get there on Boise State, who I really just don't like. I, I just don't like their coach. I don't like Avellas. Uh Their quarterback play was shaky at best last week. Uh, but in the end, this is an almost famous. If Central Florida goes there and wins comfortably, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if Boise wins outright too. So we're going to just stay out of it. Three and a half right now. Night 60 and a half on the total. No shock there for a high total. All right. Let's get to Texas and Alabama. 7 o'clock Eastern in Tuscaloosa. Texas, a seven-point underdog. 53-and-a-half on this future SEC matchup. We remember the matchup a year ago in Week 2 in Austin. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas probably wins that game. Alabama's able to escape because of Bryce Young's dramatic slate. But if it's not Hudson Card, and it's Quinn Ewers in that full game, Texas probably wins. So, now... I wrote up Texas at seven and a half in the column this week. I would wait to see if you get a seven and a half again. If you don't, I still feel comfortable taking a whole touchdown with the horns. There is not a big difference in talent in these two teams. They're both immensely talented. The big question mark, as it was going into the game a year ago, is can Sark hang in with Saban? And look, hey, Again, if viewers had stayed healthy, I really do believe Texas wins that game a year ago. Uh, Alabama destroyed Middle Tennessee last week. Texas, really a nice second-half thumping of Rice after a lackadaisical first half. But I am just curious. The only the big concern I have in this one is that Alabama seems to be discounted this year. People don't buy them. They're not on the same level as Georgia to some. Heck, even a lot of people at LSU winning the SEC West. LSU still could win the SEC West, but they're behind the eight ball with the thumping they took at the hands of Florida State last week. But Alabama's under the radar. Saban is the best motivator there's ever been in college football. They made the right quarterback decision with making Jalen Milrow their starter. And Milrow rewarded them with an awesome performance last week against Middle Tennessee. Alabama's still loaded on defense. The one thing that didn't happen for them a week ago is Jason McClellan did not look particularly good on the ground. And if Texas is able to slow Alabama's ground game, that's when this game could get interesting. That's where the potential outright upset for the Longhorns could come into play. I don't think they get the outright upset. I like Alabama to win a close game, but if you're giving me a touchdown or more with Texas... Ewers is more than good enough to move the ball on this Alabama defense. We're going to take the points with the horns and hope that Ewers can stay upright the whole game, unlike last year where, of course, he stays healthy, 
they win that game last year at Austin. The Horns do. All right, one last one. Quarterback problem central in Tempe. A future Big 12 matchup, Oklahoma State and Arizona State. Oklahoma State is a three-point favorite on the road at the Sun Devils. I wrote it up in the column, three-and-a-half-point underdogs when Arizona State was. I like the Sun Devils getting three-and-a-half. At three, it's a little bit tougher. I do also like this game under. Neither of these teams are getting quality quarterback play. We saw three quarterbacks last week for Oklahoma State. We're going to see the rotation, the trio rotation yet again. Uh, Gunnar Gundy was the best of the three, shockingly enough, last week. The third quarterback that Mike Gundy called upon his own son. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being their best guy. And then Arizona State starting their freshman yet again after it was okay last week. Pretty uninspiring game. A three-point win against FCS Southern Utah where it was big weather delay in the middle of the game as well. I just wonder how much that impacted the Sun Devils. But, look, if this gets back to three and a half, I would take the three and a half with Arizona State. I don't think Oklahoma State is really any good. I think they're a six-win team, maybe even a five-win team. And if they should not be favored on the road against a Power 5 team that isn't a total pushover. Yeah, Arizona State, who knows what the effort's going to be going there, going down the season with their self, uh, self-taken bull ban that they took. But this feels like a game that the Sun Devils and Kenny Dillingham will get his team up for. So we'll take three and a half. I would wait to see if we get the three and a half back on that one. All right, that's that's all the time we have. That's all the games, FBS versus FBS, this week in the Big 12, how I look at them from a betting perspective. Again, this has been Big 12 Bets. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, heartlandcollegesports.com, where you can find the article as well. We will see you again next week. I'm Jeff Parles. Good luck on all your bets, everybody.